There's a lost soul who's tired of the sinning. You are listening to the Daily Doctrine Devotional. This is a daily podcast designed to teach and preach Bible doctrine each weekday throughout the year. This is Evangelist Tim McVeigh asking you to please let others know about this podcast so that they can subscribe or tune in each weekday. At the end of the podcast, we will provide you with subscription information as well as contact information for our ministry. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. And the saints all with gladness are singing the glorious song of the redeemed, song of the redeemed. Thank you once again for tuning into the podcast. This is our Tuesday edition of the podcast. We certainly thank the Lord for each of you that listen. I know we got homeschoolers listening. They've told us they're listening. We got some other folks uh, from New York, folks from Maine, folks from down in Texas, folks from Georgia. That's just ones this week that have contacted us. And of course, there's folks here in Pennsylvania also that have spoken to us this week about the podcast. And we're thankful, thankful those of you that support the podcast. Uh, our expenses were just up front are about $33 a month, is all they are. But we have a couple folks that have sent money in. We certainly appreciate that. We thank the Lord for that. We were able to upgrade our laptop in the last year, upgrade our equipment in the last year as well. And so we certainly thank the Lord. We plan on continuing the book of Job. But as I do Job today, I want to remind you of a couple of things in the scriptures. And one of those things that we must understand, and uh, we see that in 1 Peter 1.1. As a matter of fact, I preached yesterday at the Manasseh Community Baptist Church there in Blaine, Pennsylvania. The pastor had asked me if I would preach on the, the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. That's 1 Peter 1.11, searching what or what manner of time, the Spirit of Christ which was in them. Who is that? That's the prophets that searched diligently in verse 10. When it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. Now, these prophets, they spake by the Spirit of Christ. It was, he was in them. He did signify the sufferings of Christ. How did he do that? Through testimony. He spake of those things that he saw. But then we see also then the Word of God told us that David himself, that great prophet of God, David saw the Lord. The Word of God told us that. In verse 31 of Acts 2, he seeing this before spake of the resurrection of Christ. Who's he speaking of? He's speaking of David, that prophet. He's both dead and buried. His sepulcher is with us unto this day. But being a prophet of God and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him. And so he see, the word of God said, he seeing this before spake of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell, neither his flesh did see corruption. And so uh, Peter expounds to us, according to Scripture, he expounds to us the word of God concerning David, the prophet of God. He tells us how David prophesied. He spake by the Spirit of Christ. He saw the Lord. The word of God told us he saw these things. David saw Jesus Christ. He saw the sufferings of Christ. The Spirit of Christ in him revealed that to David. That's why David, that great psalmist, uh, that great prophet of God, the great king that God raised up in Israel. It's why he spake so often of Jesus Christ. He was a seer. He could see things that other people could not see. Now, the one thing that we're looking at today with the Lord's help, we're going to be looking at Job chapter 7. Again, Job, no doubt in my mind, is a prophet of God. And the one thing that we saw in Acts chapter 2 that David focused on and that Peter focused on when he expounded the scriptures to us, you see, Peter had sat at the feet of Jesus Christ. 
And Jesus Christ had opened his understanding along with the other disciples. And then he went through the scriptures and he showed them all the places and all the things in the scriptures where Jesus Christ was revealed to the Old Testament prophets. The word of God said in the law and in the prophets and in the Psalms. There was not one place that Peter had not been shown that was Jesus Christ. Far exceeding our understanding. But can I say to you, I believe that God will show us as well. Yesterday, even as I preached, I'm not going to breach confidentiality, but somebody come to me and said, you know, I, I didn't really see what you were preaching. I did not see Jesus Christ in that. I didn't necessarily see that as prophecy. And then they said, until you got to, and then there was a place that God opened their eyes of understanding. They saw Jesus Christ. So it is with so many passages of scripture. I told the church yesterday, I don't expect you to get on board with all of this, but if God will reveal himself in one place and show you very clearly that's Jesus Christ, to me, that's a great victory. And if somebody can see Christ in scripture, there's nothing I enjoy more than somebody contacting me, texting me, speaking to me, calling me. My own wife said to me something the other day, she goes, that's Jesus Christ there is. And I said, yeah, I believe that is. I've had people call me and show things I've never seen. I've never seen that as Jesus Christ. And I don't want to be so proud as to think that I've seen every place or know every place or know everything. I don't want to be that proud. I don't want to be that boastful. But yet there are those that just will not see. There's those that cannot see. And there's those that would contend with it. But yet in the volume of the book, he said, it is written of me. And so when we look at Job, especially here in chapter 7, we move on then, I believe, chapter 11. Uh, we get up into chapters 14, 16, places like that. We are going to see more and more of the revelation of Jesus Christ to the prophet Job. And he's going to speak on behalf of Jesus Christ. And he's going to speak by the Spirit of Christ. And again, as David spake concerning the suffering of Christ, and by the way, that is the gospel. He died for our sins according to the scriptures. And he was buried. And then, of course, we know also he rose again, why, according to the scriptures. And that's the glory that should follow that Peter spake of. All of these things are contained in the scripture. All of these things are written in the volume of the book. We've lost track of looking for him. I texted uh, somebody the other day, and I mentioned, I said, I believe that there could be a time when some of the older men of God saw these things and saw some of these prophecies, but they were so cowed into silence by this modern soul wedding movement where everything was soul wedding, soul wedding, soul wedding, and they lost sight of Jesus Christ. And most churches have lost sight of Jesus Christ. They're not looking for Jesus Christ. I heard a man on the radio today. He said, oh, the most precious thing in the world is to win somebody to Jesus Christ. And I thought, no, the most precious thing in the world is Jesus Christ. What a silly statement. What a foolish statement to get the cart before the horse like that. The most precious thing is Jesus Christ. Yes, it's a wonderful thing when somebody finds Jesus Christ. But to them that believe, he is precious. I don't need the ego boost of going out there and getting somebody to repeat a prayer. I don't need the ego boost or, or, or the attitude adjustment that comes, oh, I, I led somebody in the prayer, oh, and go fluff my skirts a little bit and go write my prayer letter and send out my prayer letter about the people we saw saved. And again, that person that brags about they won't put their head on their pillow until they see one person saved every single day. But yes, do they know Christ? Do they witness to Christ? Do they have a testimony of knowing Christ? Do they see Christ in Scripture? And they think I'm crazy. They think I've lost my mind for pursuing him rather than pursuing a dream of winning somebody every single day. But to know him is to know Scripture. To know him is to know Jesus Christ, the person of Jesus Christ throughout the volume of the book. And to know him is the greatest joy you can have in your life. Again, they're just padding their egos. That's all they're doing. They're feeling obligation. 
They feel an acceptance by that, but they don't know Christ. So many of them don't know Christ. They don't have the witness of God. They don't have the testimony of God. Some of the most avid soul winners I've known are completely out of church today. Some of the most zealous soul winners I know are completely away from God. Families ruined, lives ruined. But people used to brag about what a great soul winner they are. But somewhere in the midst of all of those things, whether they were saved or whether they were lost, Somewhere in the midst of that, they lost track of Jesus Christ. They lost sight of Jesus Christ. And so when we preach these things, I'm preaching these things according to the doctrine of Scripture. But there's no motive there, except that folks would see Christ. If somebody listening to this podcast would grasp one thing and say, oh my goodness, I see Jesus Christ. I see his suffering. I see his soul made an offering for sin. I see his death. Oh, that's a great victory for me. That brings great joy to my heart. I have no greater joy than knowing Jesus Christ. And when others see him, there's the fellowship of his suffering, the fellowship of the believer, the fellowship that we have. Oh, what joy that is when others can see him. The thrust of the ministry today isn't about trying to get someone to repeat the prayer. It's getting them to see Jesus Christ. If they see Jesus Christ, oh, what a difference it'll make in their life. And Job is speaking here in Job 7. Let me just say this. In Job 7, we see it other places as well. He speaks several places. The Spirit of Christ spoke of the suffering of Christ. We see prophecy of the garden. We see prophecy, of course, as he goes before Pilate. He goes into the hall. He waters his couch with tears. We see prophecy at the cross. We see prophecy on the cross. We see prophecy when his soul is offered for sin. We see prophecy of his body in the grave. We see prophecy of the resurrection. We see prophecy of the ascension. We see prophecy of the imminent return of Jesus Christ. All of those things are lined up in Scripture. Every one of those things. And it's just put in its right place. Where was he? When? There's some places I don't know. There's many places I don't know. I don't know if it was the garden. I don't know if it was the cross. I don't know if it was his soul. But there's times he says it was his soul. Thou cast me not down, O my soul. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? There's places you know where Jesus Christ is. There's times you know when they spit upon him and smote him and struck him, ripped the hair from off of his face, wagged the heads at him. When the dogs gaped upon him, the bulls of Bashan gathered around about him, compassed him about. There's times we know where he was. We know he was on the cross. Job speaks here and he says, is there not an appointed time to man upon earth? Are not his days also like the days of an hireling? As a servant earnestly desireth the shadow, and as an hireling looketh for the reward of his work, so am I made to possess months of vanity, and wearisome nights are appointed to me. He's asking the question, then he makes that statement. The nights, all the nights, the sleeplessness, the restlessness. He said the months of a vanity. In verse 4, when I lie down, I say, when shall I arise and the night be gone? And I am full to toss these to and fro into the dawning of the day. Again, we see the suffering of Job. I don't want to ever discredit the suffering of Job. Job suffered greatly. I don't ever want anybody to think I'm diminishing the awfulness of Job's calamity. Yet Job came through this shining like gold. Job came through this fire and came through this trial, understanding God and knowing God more than he'd never known him. And he said, these are things too wonderful for me, things I understood not. That's where Job came at the end. Is please, I don't ever want anybody to think that I'm, I'm misunderstanding, misrepresenting what Job is saying, what Job has gone through. He's gone through great calamity in his life to the point that he tosses to and fro into the dawning of the day. 
He just wants to rise from his bed, to move from his bed, and to face the day and his suffering. He's scraping his boils, sitting in the ashes. His friends are there with him. The misery is upon him. But then the word of God said, my flesh is clothed with worms and clods of dust. My skin is broken and become loathsome. Again, do we see Job? Yes, we do. But do we see Jesus Christ? We begin to see some things there. There's some understanding we have about that. And by the way, if his flesh is clothed with worms, it doesn't say the worms are devouring his flesh. It said clothed with worms. They're not eating up his flesh. They're blanketing him. They're covering him. The worms have come upon him. I believe under the darkness of Calvary, everything that was poured out on Jesus Christ, everything poured out in his body, the sufferings, the vileness, the awfulness, the wrath, the judgment, the sicknesses, the vermin, the diseases, yet they could not devour his flesh because he was the son of God. Yet they were all upon him. And God judged him perfectly. He was in perfect judgment. And he goes, my days are swifter than a weaver's shuttle and are spent without hope. Oh, remember that my life is wind. Mine eyes shall no more see good. Again, we're bordering here on a prophetic, but also we see Job's calamity. No doubt this is Job speaking in the suffering of his body, the suffering of his flesh, the awfulness of what his life has become. This was a man, remember, of great wealth. This is a man respected in the gate. He was a man of authority. This is a man with a wife and a family and great herds and flocks. And this is what Job had become, a man without flocks, without herds, without children. This is a man sitting in the ashes and the ruin of his life. He's no longer in the gate. Men look down at him and scoff at him, and he's loathsome, always in the dust. And yes, his skin also was probably covered with worms. That's Job. That's this great man. And here he is diminished and reduced at minimum. Can you see the picture there? The greatest of all, Jesus Christ, the righteous, the son of God, the lamb of God. And he's reduced to absolutely nothing for us. He's reduced to poverty. He's reduced to sickness. He's reduced to calamity. He's reduced to sores and boils and wounds. And he's reduced to the, 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 the blood running down his head as those thorns are pressed down. But then in the cover of darkness at the cross of Calvary, the Godhead came down and Jesus Christ suffered. Jesus Christ was ran upon and Jesus Christ was grabbed by the throat and taken by the neck and shaken to pieces. All of that in the sufferings of the cross, all of that in the suffering of Calvary. And so Job, we see, of course, is yes, he's in his calamity, but there's no doubt he's speaking beyond his own calamity. When he says, oh, remember that my life is when mine eyes shall see no more see good. The eye of him that has seen me shall see me no more. Thine eyes are upon me. And I am not. Verse 9, as the cloud is consumed and vanisheth away, so he that goeth down to the grave shall come up no more. Now again, do we say, well, Job is just a misunderstanding his calamity. This is the same man in chapter 19 that said, in my flesh I shall see God. This is a man that had faith. This is a man that believed in the resurrection. Why is he saying going down to the grave? Why is he talking about going down to the grave, coming up no more? Because he's talking about dying the second death. He's talking about a death in hell. He's talking about a second death of the soul is what he's speaking of here. And that would not be Job. Job was a righteous man. Job was a perfect man. Job was an upright man, one that feareth God, one that escheweth evil. Job had a hope of a resurrection. 
But Jesus Christ was made that offering for sin. His soul was made an offering for sin. Again, as I go through this, I'm being very cautious. I've labored for days in prayer over this. I've labored for days to deal with this subject and to bring these things forth. And I know some of you have reached out so graciously and so kindly and and just responded to the things that God has shown you in the book of Job and how we thank you for that. Please keep studying Job. Please keep looking at Job. And listen, iron sharpeneth iron. If God reveals something to you, don't hesitate to contact us. Don't hesitate to reach out. Listen, I'm in waters right now that are tumultuous to me, and I'm in waters right now that are troubling to me because I'm in a place where I believe God and I see what, but I'm so fear that there are others that will rise up against it, so fearful that others will stand against the truth because it's just too far for them. It's not fundamental enough for them. It goes way too far into Scripture, yet Job, no doubt, was a great prophet of God. Job, no doubt, spake of the Spirit of Christ. And the man of God suffered that he might speak so. Just like David in the cave, he suffered that he might speak by the Spirit of Christ. When he ran from Saul and was fleeing from Saul, he suffered that he might flee from Saul and speak by the Spirit of Christ. In the wilderness, he spake by the Spirit of Christ. Had he not suffered, he would not have seen those things. As for Job, is had he not suffered, he would not have seen these things. And yet God has begun to reveal them to us in this day and in this hour. Pray for the podcast. Lord willing, we'll be back here tomorrow with the rest of Job chapter 7. There's a lost soul who's tired of the sinning, and he longs to return to the Lord, as he cries for forgiveness and mercy. God is waiting. You have been listening to the Daily Doctrine Podcast with Evangelist Tim McVeigh. For correspondence, please contact us through our website and someevangelist.com and use the contact form to connect with us. You may also subscribe to the podcast through our website or search for Daily Doctrine Evangelist Tim McVeigh on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, or Amazon. To write to us, please use our church address, which is Manasseh Community Baptist Church, 70 Back Hollow Road, Blaine, Pennsylvania. 17006. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. Don't forget to subscribe and tune in tomorrow. And remember to look up for your redemption falleth not. Now the angels of God are rejoicing for the prodigal child has come home, and the saints all with gladness are singing the glorious song of the redeemed.